Improving your presentation skills on this episode of the Mind Dog TV podcast. This episode is brought to you by Fundwise Capital. Fundwise Capital is a business lender matching platform. Avoid the mystery of one-sided deals. Connect with Fundwise to get the very best funding you can qualify for fast. You can apply online in 60 seconds or less, and there's no effect to your credit to see how much you can get. It's easy. Use the funding for anything you need to start or grow your business. You did hear me correctly. I did say start or grow your business. If you don't have a business yet, but you got a solid business plan, they can help you get funding. Get the best funding you can qualify for. Their strategic lender matching platform searches through hundreds of lenders to find the very best possible option for your unique situation. They have hundreds of five-star reviews on Google, Trustpilot, and Facebook, and an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. They provide unsecured lines of credit at 0% interest for 9 to 15 months. Unsecured term loans, loans based on income, short-term gap funding, and bridge loans. They work with real estate, startups like I already mentioned, franchises, restaurants, any kind of business, any kind of project. To get started, it's really easy. Just go to apply.funwise.com slash minddog. That's apply.funwise.com slash minddog. Get money for your business now. Apply.funwise.com slash minddog. And welcome, my friends, to yet another episode of the Mind Dog TV podcast. I'm Matt Napo. Thanks for coming. It's great to have you here, as always. We're going to talk about presentation skills today and influencing. And um, my guest today is going to be uh, Billy Shepard. And if you've been with the program for any uh, <laughs> any length of time, you might remember I had a gentleman by the name of Billy Shepard. Uh, on about, I guess it's about two years ago now. Billy is uh, an elderly uh, Cajun gentleman, uh, ninety plus. So I think that's fair to say elderly when you're ninety plus. Um, Cajun gentleman, nice guy, nice fellow, uh, and he was also talking about presentation skills. And uh, Billy, uh, basically, his idea of podcasting, like older gentleman. I mean. So it's probably not all that familiar with the format or wasn't at the time and proceeded to give a presentation on presentation, which meant uh, he was doing PowerPoint slides and reading off of cue cards and things like that for an hour. And I didn't get to ask any questions about it. And it seemed like my questions were annoying to him. So the hour went by and during the feedback for it, he asked me how he did. And I said, to be honest with you, that's not how this works. People, I'm sure we're tuning out uh, about two minutes in when it just seemed like a monologue and a, you know, static stuff. They can get that anywhere. Uh, and I was a little harsh on him, but he understood and nice guy. So a couple of about a month ago, a PR uh, person approached me about potential guests with a list of potential guests. And I saw Billy Shepard presentation skills on there. I was like, Oh no. I, I and I'm thinking nineties year. He probably forgot he was on the program. I didn't, me, uh, the elderly gentleman that I am, <laughs> didn't 
notice the difference between Billy with an IE and a Billy and a Y. So I sent back, no thanks. Uh, and and uh, I said, I had him on the program and <laughs> it was kind of harsh and we turned off a lot of people and he just doesn't get it. And my guest uh, today saw that just, I'm not that Billy Shepard. Oh, duh. big duh on me. So uh, you got to pay attention to the small things, i.e. <laughs> why. Uh, today's Billy Shepard, you might know from television and uh, and the arts, uh, it's been in many many uh, television productions and commercials and stuff like that, uh, and has a long list of credentials that I'll let her tell you about. Uh, Billy Shepard cur- currently works with major companies, entrepreneurs, and business leaders, mostly senior executives in the Bay Area, and I'm assuming that means San Francisco Bay Area, including Facebook. Uh, since COVID nineteen, her focus has been on teaching business clients how to use a camera more effectively. I could use uh, some tips there. Uh, Sharpen vocal clarity. I could use some tips there. And benefit from uh, virtual meetings. Ladies and gentlemen, please open your ears, open your minds, and help me welcome in Billy Shepard to the Mindville TV podcast. Billy, welcome. Oh, my God. It's so good to be with you. So you're not an old Cajun gentleman. That's a relief. Uh Cute little old Jewish lady talking to you. <laughs> it's a different thing, but you were so gracious about it. I, mean, I that that is the first time that adjective has ever been used to refer to me ever <laughs> in my life. So uh, uh, things are going well already. I'm, I'm gracious, folks. <laughs> uh, so thank you for being here. I appreciate it. Now I need to help in this area as well. Yesterday I had a, uh, a guest on who was also. Um, it's not necessarily about um, helping people learn to become better influencers, but she's, her thing was about uh, helping people uh, define exactly what it is what they want out of life and get what it is what they, that they want out of life. And she asked me what it was that I would like to have more of in my life. And I, my answer was immediate without even, I don't have to think about it. I would love to have more influence uh, to be a bigger voice in a sea where there's a lot of people out there uh, communicating ideas and stuff. And so the idea about how to grow my influence and be a better influencer uh, is something that you teach. And so I'm all ears today. So let's start by uh, giving the folks a little bit more of the background than I was able to do in that, that brief intro. Well, I come from an acting background, and if I taught, you know, if I was a professional knitter, I'd be talking to you about knitting now to to get to the fundamental solution I believe I came upon, rediscovered, uh, to get in the present moment, to get in this moment, which you do quite effectively. It's part of the reason that I'm here. I mean, I, I checked you out and the whole thing, and I thought, oh, my God, the guy's authentic. I like it. I'll go on the roller coaster with him, wherever that may lead. Um, the, the first question that I would have is, uh, coming from the point of view as an actor, we don't speak, talk, or act unless we're very clear on our intention. Right. If, if I don't know my intention, I've all of a sudden got clown hands. You know, you notice that I gained 10 pounds. I'm too dumb to live. I'm all of those negative black dogs get in my head. But if I'm clear on intention, I can justify robbing a bank, uh, <laughs> you know, kidnapping a child in a car chase. I can justify anything as an actor. So my question to you would be, you want a bigger voice. And, and you want to influence more people. And 
clearly you're very good at that already. My question would be influence them to do what? Uh, I can answer that pretty quickly because it's not something I haven't put a lot of thought into. Yeah. Uh, what what I, what my agenda is to uh, encourage people to think for themselves. In other words, we have too many people getting their ideas and opinions, whether it's about politics, entertainment, anything in life. They, we all have a right to our own opinion, but most people give that right up to other people and let them tell them what their opinion should be and how they should think about, okay, we're not just presenting facts, we're telling you how you should think about those facts. And I said, step back for a second. My, this is what I'm, my, my agenda is to encourage people to step back and say, how do I really feel about these facts? Uh, and be honest with yourself and look inside and say, what am I, well, how do these, these set of facts line up with my values and principles? And so how do I uh, form an opinion about these facts based on those values and principles? Because I think that's a lost art and I don't think anybody's doing it. <laughs> or well, very I few think, people are doing it. I think that would be a blessing if you could do that. Then, then my curiosity makes me want to ask you, do, do you have a, a, um, a, a method to help them become critical thinkers? I mean, clearly education helps us become critical thinkers to do what you were describing. Um, do you have uh, uh, help to offer them? I do. I don't have a psycho, a psychological uh, degree, a psychology degree or any of that kind of stuff. But I do uh, think of it in, in terms of uh, words are important. And so when even when you find yourself expressing an opinion, this is my only and it's a very simple uh, process for this is when you find yourself expressing an opinion, uh, look at the words you're saying. And did you get those words from yourself or are you just repeating what you heard? In other words, can you put it in your own language? Because that's really important. If you're well, that's huge. That's that's real cool. That's good. Can yeah. you put it in your own language? Excuse me. I right. am no, no, that's it. That's basically the end of the point is basically uh, take the time to actually put the thought through your own process, because when you put it into your own words, that forces you to say, does that line up with my value, values and principles? Do I really believe this? And I'll give you an example on the political front. Yeah. Um, in the anti-vax world, you have people on the right making the claim that, uh, Government doesn't own your body, can't tell you what to do with your body and all that kind of stuff. Uh, they've been fighting against that from the left, saying that for years about the abortion issue. They don't hear themselves actually repeating those words that the government doesn't own your own or your body. You own your own body and say, hey, wait a minute. Yeah, well, OK, well, if I accept that. Think about that, though. Did, did you think about that before you said that? Because it, you've been arguing against that for the last 40 years. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> you yes. Know. Yes. And and with a huge reluctance to get into anything political. Yeah, I know. I don't want to draw you into that. But <laughs> just the idea of the uh, that's one where they're obviously not thinking about what they're saying. That's absolutely true. The. The the other issue is if if someone doesn't get this is what i would say as a critical thinker it would be my argument in a philosophy class or in a political class the the decision to not get a vaccination could harm somebody else right could okay 
my decision to get an abortion is my business. It, right. it doesn't. So then it becomes a, which your goal is a collaborative discussion instead of what you're fighting against a statement. Right. And, yeah. and then, so your, afford, your example offers someone the ability to have to say it out loud is what I'm hearing you're saying, which means they need to digest the sentence and restate it right. in, in a critical way. Then they really understand it. And hearing it and feeling it out of their mouth uh, puts it in their own words and evolves, has them evolve to a right. higher point. So what you're really, what you're really trying to do is get a big bigger voice to help people evolve to become better communicators from there to, to clearly state what they mean and think correctly. Yes, yes. Instead of parroting. There's, that That's the major part of it. The other part of it is I want to be the counter to too many people in my business who, who are out there who are not um, fair about it. They are, they are, uh, they want, they want the influence to uh, be used so that I can, or they can in there, uh, put the, I, I want, I want to in, impose my opinions on you so that I'm telling you what to think about it. So I want to be a counterbalance to those people and say, listen, this guy's out there saying this. He might not be wrong. He might be right, but don't say, don't, don't adopt it as your principle until you think about it. And put, because that person, this communicator, podcaster, and there are lots of them, I call them out by name. Mm -hmm. They are telling you what to think and they want you to think and no argument. Don't argue with me. Don't disagree with me. There's no room here. This is the, this is the, these are the facts, but these are how I demand that you interpret those facts and, and, and present them in your conversations moving forward now. Mm -hmm. And you, and you seem to do that by having such a vast eclectic group of people on yeah. your show. I mean, you're doing it in action too. Well, I appreciate that, but I think that uh, that can be a negative. And I, I brought that up to Jen yesterday because uh, we were talking about, you know, how you grow your business. And I say, I know what the criticism, because the people who have those big platforms will tell me, you need to niche down and you can't be as widely as varied. You need to let your audience know that you're only going to be talking to authors. You're only going to be talking to comedians, whatever it is you choose to talk to. They need to know that this is what they're going to get every day. And I, my kickback to that is I'm at the age of, in my life where I don't want to do things that I'm not interested in. And so if I, I'm not interested in talking to comedians only or, or authors only or musicians only or historians only, I, I'm interested in a wide variety of subjects. I can't lock myself into that. And I realize that that's going to limit me in some ways. Jen saw that I was wrong. That's not a, uh, a negative, but that's the feedback I get from everybody in this business. The, and uh, television, radio, I mean, they all do that too. They kind of want to be branded as a McDonald's cheeseburger so everybody knows exactly what they're going to get every time they order it. Well, uh, you know, I'll tell you something. And and I, I've got to tell you, I identify with you. The, the I am uh, a, a, forgive me, because I really am very shy and very humble. Ha, ha, ha. But I'm a Rolls Royce. Not everybody is going to like the way I work with them. And right. not everybody is going to like my truth. And not every big corporation is going to hire me. The ones that hire me see me. 
And it's because I tell the truth directly to people and the artistic way I, I approach it. Um, and I have questioned that too. Should I have stayed with just the technical company? Should I have stayed with just the medical company? Should I have stayed with just, you know, this sort of HR sort of thing? I work with all kinds of corporate people and business people and doctors and all kinds of people. Why? Because like you, I'm interested and right. I'm not interested. And if we don't connect, we don't work together. I refer them out. Like, you know, I don't know how many summers I have left. You right. know, I want yeah. to enjoy every person that I work with. And my inclination as a coach would be to support you in, in staying interested in the people that you talk to. And, and your niche may be just that. Right. Well, I, you don't know what you're going to get on that show. You know, you don't know what you're going to get. on my Right. Show. That, that's how I, I kind of try to rationalize it or justify it by, for myself. But the more I'm involved with, and again, this is uh, outside influences affecting my thinking about this. The more I'm, I'm involved with people who do what I do and people who are uh, not more financially successful, but more uh, successful in terms of uh, sheer numbers of followers. Um, yeah. uh, they all recommend that niching down and, and really concentrating on your niche um, is, is the only way to do things here. Well, and I, and my reply to that just real quickly is, okay. is that this idea that I think I'm creating a niche of the guy who, who isn't uh, locked into a niche. <laughs> or original. I right. mean, there's only one you, and right. I'll tell you something, I wouldn't be here spending my last, you know, whatever time it is today, if you didn't grab me. So, right. so you, the right people will grab, you're talking to an artist, you're, you're talking to somebody who has been, you know, taken to the arts with her mother, I was her arts buddy, we went to opera, ballet, symphony, plays everything i saw marat sad at 11 what was i even doing in there with my mother that you know um <laughs> the the artist has to know that we have to come of a, from a place of our fundamental authenticity and communicate what we believe is valuable and means something to us and the right people will find it the, right. the the people and and the person that finds you may be the person that puts you on national television, you know, at at nine o'clock at night. Who knows? But right. but what? But trying to sell McDonald's is a decent thing to do. I get it. It's a lot of dollars coming in. Yeah. But if if my intention isn't being met, right. if my if my soul isn't isn't being filled. Um, it feels it feels sixty uh, percent instead of a hundred percent, and you know how it feels to feel a hundred percent. You know how it feels, and yeah. that's what we stick. And that takes guts. That takes guts. Right. Uh, I, I think what you're hitting on there is the, in some way, there would be ma the key to why there are, we have so many unhappy people in the world because so many people sacrifice their values sacrifice who they are in order to um well keep the job or or keep uh, uh any position or whatever it is but whatever the pressure that um they fear being authentic and true and doing what they really want to do rather than what they feel they need to do uh, to survive 
And so that, that that's a tough thing to do. Um, you know, you know the, it, excuse me for interrupting. It's no, in I, I was just a thought, ah. Uh. <laughs> what you say? That last ah uh, was just a thought. I wasn't I wasn't continuing. Uh, oh, I didn't have more oh. to say. I was just like, uh. oh, okay. <laughs> uh, a word about intention that because it happens to be one of the keys to to influencing people, but to raise it to a, a different level. If you're interested, do you, do you? Okay. The there there's a wonderful actor named Alan Arkin. Please tell me you know. I Alan. love Alan Arkin. He's okay. one of my favorites. Uh, very under understated in the way he uh, delivers c- comedy and. Um, and, and acting in general, he's, he's he's not like a guy who's demanding the spotlight or or a really dominant figure, but a really engaging and, and wonderful person to watch. You get it. You get it. Well, he's as wonderful in person, and he happens to be, over the last several years, my, my mentor, and we became colleagues, and, and he actually wrote the foreword to my book. The... The, the the most critical thing he taught me about intention, I met him at a workshop. I flew to Austin, Texas uh, it, it, to get into his workshop. You, in those days, he did workshops. He's not doing them now. Uh, it, it, it took forever because he only takes 20 people. And you, you, okay, so I made this w- workshop and I went to the workshop. And what I learned from him, and this is after I'd been a professional actor for decades and coach and coaching people, he he had us do improvisations. It was an improvisation workshop to get people to feel authentic in the moment, not to be actors. Right. But you get the picture. Yeah. So when when um, you're in a truthful moment, once you feel a truthful moment, then you're addicted. So basically, I'm a drug dealer. I teach people how to feel in an authentic, truthful moment. And, and once they feel it, I know I've got them addicted. So that's how I teach. But Alan taught me and allowed me the experience of deciding on an intention, having a clear intention, but attaching that attention, intention, that intention to something that I feel strongly about. And that takes a little more time. That takes a, my dog is I've got a 14-year-old dachshund that forgets what room he's in. Come here. Come here, Lewis. What a good boy. Uh, (laughs) Sorry. He's the best. Um, And attaching that intention to something that we feel strongly about. And that became the difference. So I'm trying to say in too many words that if one knows the intention that they're working toward to influence their audience for some reason, join our group, uh, give me funding, uh, listen to me on Saturday morning, whatever that influencing task is. If we can be clear on the feeling attached to that. And here's the best part. It doesn't have to make any sense. Yeah. It just has to feel truthful. Wow. Well, truthful is the problem, and I, I, I know. Yeah, and again, I'm, I'm. This will be the last reference to yesterday's program with Jen. I brought that up uh, because I think discovering, being clear about your ten- intention is hard enough. Now, being clear about uh, what you're attaching that to that you care about has got to be the next step, level of honesty with self that I don't think 
uh, is a natural thing with people. I think we, uh, so it, it needs to be cultivated, but how do we even get to that point where you can be honest with yourself enough to discover what your intention really is, at least to articulate it to yourself, and then that thing that you're going to attach it to. Okay, that is such an insightful question, and I'm going to tell you, I didn't create this. Aristotle said it. Aristotle said, what we learn to do, we learn by doing. So it's my experience that I had to have coaches help me through it and have me heuristically experience the learning. Once I heuristically experienced it, I would know when I was being truthful with myself and when I wasn't. And that takes a coach. It takes a coach. It took Alan Arkin to, to have me because it takes such guts. Right. It takes such guts to get in touch with what I'm feeling truthfully for myself and then say it out loud. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It really does, even in relationships sometimes, right. you know? Uh, I think there's no question that all the stuff that we're talking about here doesn't have to pertain to your your craft or your business or any of that stuff. It can be applied to your relationships. It can be applied to any yeah. area of your life. Yeah. Uh, the problem, I think, what you just said, that it takes guts, that puts fear in people's minds right away that, okay, um, it's almost like, why people don't go to therapy. It's very exactly the same as why a lot of people don't go to therapy when they know they should is because of that fear. And that takes guts. And do I have the courage and guts to actually be honest with myself? Oh my gosh, you're just so spot on. <laughs> the first, if I, now I've got to rewrite the book and add an addendum and everything because there's so much I'm teaching um, uh, uh, online and and zoom methods and acting techniques for that so i've got to change the book but you know i'm wondering if i shouldn't have made the first piece of the book i tell you the truth right <laughs> you right yeah. you know you got and it's like what why would i go to this person and have her tell me you know all of this stuff you're right it takes cut but no, please you, lie to me <laughs> please just tell me i'm terrific uh no no the the thing about the artist's life or, or anybody, entrepreneurs or anybody that's trying to do something unique and different is the fact of the matter is everybody's scared. Yeah. I call it scared, nervous, self-doubt, the black dog, you know, right. yeah. everybody's got it. The first thing to admit is I've got the black dog. And I work with C-suite people. I'm people who are extremely high level in big companies in Silicon Valley. And I only say that because it proves my point. They're scared. It's the amygdala. It's telling us, you know, and there are techniques to get past that, to experience the truth and the power of one's style. Now, here's, here's the other thing I want to mention. That's the juice. That's why I keep doing this because I have this ability for some reason, I take no credit for it, to to see what makes somebody adorable, beautiful, brilliant, talented. I see it. But I also see what gets in the way, what they're doing technically, what, what mishigas they're bringing to their performance or their moment that's getting in the way of their spectacular communication skills. Why? Why what? Yeah. 
Uh, no, I didn't, not why. It's just uh, I, I said, wow, that, that makes, oh, a, makes a lot of sense to me. In other words, everybody has this uh, some kind of gift in, in their communication skills and th things to do. But uh, discovering what that is and how to bring it out is. Yes. Is and and what occurred was, if I can continue talking, because I get so enthused about this. No, please, please. I'm, I'm interested. Uh, <laughs> what what I discovered when when I started coaching acting very young I was I began as a as an actor and my agent came up to me I was 22 or 23 she said you know something would you like to teach a Monday night class a workshop I said I guess so and I started teaching at like 22 23 and what I realized early on anecdotally was if I could get somebody in the present moment that I mentioned earlier, if I could get them in the truth of the moment, they'd be brilliant. Beginners, old timers, experienced, it didn't matter. It, the secret was to get them in the present moment. So I spent years developing, learning from other actors and changing techniques and doing techniques. And then about um, uh, in 2009, I went, the economy tanked, and I went back to school to get a graduate degree to see if I could prove this, this theory that I had about getting somebody in the present moment. And my thesis advisor, who I argued with constantly, they don't pay her enough because I thought I knew everything. Uh, she taught me I didn't. She said, you know, Billy, you can do it. You can do it because you've got decades of experiencing noticing when someone's in the present moment. How can we reteach that? How can, okay, what are the components, she said? What makes up being in the present moment? And so I had to think, and she helped me create, and we, we discovered this. There actually are four things that, that someone can actively focus on and practice to get in the present moment. The first one is the body. What's going on with my body? Am I hungry? Am I thirsty? Am I nervous? Do I need breathing? Are my knees shaking? Is my voice tight? What's going on with my body? The second is the voice. Do I have clear diction? Is my dialect getting in the way? Am I modulating my voice? Am I using pauses? The third is intention. What the heck do I want? Yeah. What What do I want that person to do? Action. What's my intention? And the fourth is the ability to improvise, which you and I are doing, throwing this ball back and forth. We're talking. I don't know what's going on. All I know is I'm enjoying it. I'm right. being expanded and, and we're improvising. So it's body, voice, intention and improvisation. And with that, I realized I actually did have a methodology. And so we tested it with these nine international business people at the university. They gave me the space and everything. And and uh, and luckily it worked because with a thesis, it cannot work. And you can say it didn't work, but it worked. Right. So that's, that's the methodology is getting someone in the present moment, past their nerves, past their ego, into this present moment to... Uh, to be truthful. And the question is, I'm almost done talking. The question is, which leader do you want to follow? Somebody who's, I'm fine. I'm great. I don't, you know, all of this and do, or, or the one who's so present with you. And so in that moment, truthfully, which, which one are you going to trust? 
this trust thing is comes from my truth you know i love it i love it well you're giving me so much to think about there and kind of ask you about and and uh where because i tend to i have a a bad habit or, or good habit of making everything personalizing everything and this pro pro program ends up being a lot about me now when i first started out with this uh doing long-form interviews with people on subject matters that i'm really not comfortable with and some of those things are like the financial experts i have on or those that can be intimidating to me and so i in reference to being in the moment i found that how I was getting out of being in the moment, being present in that moment, was pre-thinking the conversation too too much and going over it and having too many preconceptions of how that was going to go in my mind. And so I had to uh, create a a wall for myself when I see that happening, when I see myself, there's an interview three days from now and I'm already rethinking uh, or pre-thinking exactly how it's going to go in my mind. And I say, I have to say, stop wait till it actually happens, be vulnerable and express to the person that, uh, and be quite honest, we're talking about a subject that I feel somewhat in, inadequate on. I'm talking to a financial expert and I, you're talking to a guy who know, who doesn't care about money. <laughs> so, uh, and, and doesn't put a lot of energy into, into thinking about money and all that stuff. And I have a very carefree attitude about it. So I'm going to feel uh, a little bit intimidated in this conversation open up with that and that kind of takes the pressure off of both of us for me to act or preconceive questions and just be a listener and respond to what they're teaching me in that moment so and, just and your thought about that pre pre-thinking thing well well that's not being in the present moment is it no that's being <laughs> in the future yes, yes i know and that's right. and and or the past right getting in the present moment is your inclination is excellent Stop thinking about it. Stop thinking about it. And the, and the fact of the matter is, we're 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 none we're none of us that different because there are people out there thinking, "What a schmo am I? I don't care that much about money." But he just admitted it. Maybe I'll learn something. Right, so right. it invites the the listener that needs to be listening. Your truth, your your honesty does. And there's there's nothing. I don't know. I don't know how we get away from jotting down a thought that we might like to do, uh, you know, that there's, I think it makes you a pro to be giving it some forethought. Right. Um, I, I wanted to ask you about this format particularly because, and, and here's a relevant example I can bring up. I uh, notice when you're talking, you're not thinking about what, but you are expressive with your hands while you speak. Watched a video of Matthew McConaughey, the very famous actor this morning. He's uh, talking about uh, he's decided not to make a decision about running for governor of Texas uh, yet. This was the whole thing of his video. But he was talking about how he, you know, he's focusing his life on the idea of service to people and service to humanity and all that kind of stuff. But it, uh, watching the video, it seemed like his gestures, hand, hand movements and stuff were very contrived, very not authentic, very much uh, thought out. And they were a little bit silly, like this was reality. Uh, he's talking about reality and making all sorts of weird hand gestures. So this format, 
limits you because you only have this part of your body to kind of communicate with. Uh, so those, if you're going to use your hands at all in, in doing stuff, uh, it needs to be authentic. It needs to be in a way that doesn't make people concentrate on, wow, that's an odd thing. So I stop listening to him and just say, wow, that's a weird hand movement. Why is he doing that kind of stuff? So how do, when you're teaching this kind of stuff, what are some of the challenges and what are some of the things you talk about in doing, uh, being more effective in this kind of format, this little box that we're in? Well, actors, first of all, can be very good actors and not wonderful presenters right. or communicators or politicians, or, you know, you don't have to do it. You don't have to be a great ice skater and be a you know, great <laughs> piano player too. Um, so he's not the greatest at that. Um, with, with that said, what occurred when COVID hit was civilian people had to learn what we actors spent years in classes and, and experience learning how to go from the stage to the camera and how to go from the camera back to the stage seamlessly. There are techniques. It, does, it doesn't just, you know, occur. You have to learn these techniques. So now all these civilians have to learn how to deal with this camera right. uh, and this little box that you're mentioning. Uh, for, for instance, um, if, if, if I'm looking at my phone and talking to you, you can tell that I'm looking at my phone. Absolutely. Well, you and I are talking. If I'm looking at another monitor, I'm looking at this other monitor, you know, with the stats and the Q4 and all while I'm talking to you. If I'm looking at myself, which I can't stop doing, I never met a mirror I didn't like. Okay. But now I'm looking at you because you're adorable. And I want to be <laughs> and we're talking. So you see the transitions that, that people need to learn. He could care less because if he's shooting a film, he's got everybody telling him where he needs to look and how close the camera is going to be. This is him talking in his home office or his hotel room or something. And he's not, frankly, I don't think he's respecting us right. by not giving the, the time and the focus that that you notice and what what occurred what occurred is you stopped listening to him yeah uh it was difficult for me and also i was trying to comment on it on my morning show and try to uh keep up with what he's saying and try to manage my commentary on some of the thoughts uh i was actually kind of impressed with some of the messages especially the stuff about but you know politicians will do that but the, the, the stuff about being of service and he was trying to say about uh, healing the divide that we are we are experiencing in the country, but words are cheap, and that that, that was my thought at the a moment. Like, yeah, it's easy to say we need to heal a divide in this country, but uh, when you look at what is the source of the divide, it, it's you need to have, be a little more clarity about what your plan is on doing that because we have people who, are, who really hate each other right now. So that's yeah. So part and of so it, the question arises now that you're becoming a more discer discerning audience person. Because right. we've been talking, where do you, what do you think was missing from his messaging? 
What do you What do you think was missing? Any kind of details, any kind of uh, you know, uh, I can talk in very fluff terms about the paradise of the world I want to create, but if I don't mm-hmm. give you some idea of how I want to get there, it feels just like politics. It feels like somebody yes. just you know making promises you're not going to keep. Yeah. So he had the words, but it wasn't connected to some deep experience, deep feeling inside of him. Right, right. Yeah. He's saying it to get another something. Yeah. Well, the, the positive of it, and just to give Matthew McConaughey a little out here, is he did say that he's not ready to, to say he wants to run for governor yet. I'm not sure I want to be a politician. Which thank, that was the best part of his speech that I got. Yeah, well, that's good. That's a good thing uh, to be not sure you want to get into that world of politics because it's an ugly world. Um, you also were talking before about the, the black cloud, the doubt. I have a question about when it's authentic and I talked about this this morning on my, on my uh, morning show too, is I'm a guitar player in a band for 22 years. I never was want to be a lead guitar player. I wasn't meant to be, I played other instruments and what were played other instruments in the band before I became a guitar player. I became a guitar player out of necessity, out of default because a guitar player quit on the gig. And <laughs> so I have, I have in my mind, and I'm, I'm. It's accurate. It's an accurate depiction that I'm not a very good guitar player, and that doubt, doubt, that self doubt, that imposter syndrome. But in my, it's very real. I mean, I am. I've been faking it for 21 years, but the audience loves it. People compliment me all the time on it, uh, and I, I have a tough time with rationalizing i'm bringing joy to the world. People enjoy what I do. I'm, I'm adding value to their lives. But I know deep down, not have a feeling that I'm an imposter. I know for certain that I'm an imposter here. This is not my strength. I would rather be playing drums because I'm a good drummer. I'd rather be playing bass because I'm a good bass player. I'm the playing guitar because I have to and because we got too lazy after I took over the place to find a, a suitable guitar player. And it's too late now after all these years and switch horses. So th- that when when that imposter syndrome feels absolutely real. It's not just something I made up. It's not just a thought in the back no. of my mind. No, no. Well, I'll tell, I'll tell you what happened. I do have one question. What, are, are, do you feel that you're missing something horribly in your life by not switching to the drums? Or are you having a great time being in a, uh, that that depends on how I... Oh, well, well, I would say yeah. that being, being out front is much more, uh, ha- has rewards that playing the drums does not have so uh being able to interact with the people that part of it the experience of being out there with the people and and being right in their face and, and enjoying people more intimately that's a lot. you're getting a lot you're yeah. getting so you're not being that's what i wanted to know you're not feeling diminished you're no not, i don't feel well, diminished i feel okay. like i'm not giving i'm not delivering them uh the quality they deserve and uh, but that's clearly, you deciding that Yes. It's you deciding the quality they deserve. How do you know what they deserve? I know it's how bad like I you're, even, you're selling chocolate ice cream and they're they're indulging and loving it and it's delicious. And you're saying, but they don't like vanilla so much more. I know they like vanilla so much. You don't know that. That that's exactly my dilemma. You just well, uh, so illustrated. They're, they're 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 in the land of nod. They're leaning forward. They're clapping. They're screaming. You're giving them good ice cream. Let them enjoy it. Don't, don't. Now, the other thing is, there's a certain respect I have for you 
in the in the uh, uh, ability that you have to say, I'm not the greatest guitar player. Yeah. I'm not, you know, but I have to tell you, I was on stage. I act never anymore. I don't do it anymore. I got busy doing other things. Once in a while, I'll do a print job or something. Why my agent still calls me, I don't know. Because what occurred with me was something similar. And I just want to share with you the outside of how it feels later. I started, I did a lot of theater and I started being on stage with some amazing people, just really, really good people. And I was an okay actor. I was, I was okay. And there are people like Michael Kostroff. I don't know if you watched The Wire. Did yeah, you? Yeah. Okay. Michael Kostroff was the lawyer. He's, he's amazing. He's done so much. And I found myself at, on stage acting with Michael Kostroff thinking, man, he is really good. <laughs> wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm in character. I'm on stage. Okay. And I thought I was, I was in my dressing room and I thought that can't be good. <laughs> cannot, that cannot be a good sign. And then I started working with people, Alan Arkin and thinking there's, there's no way I am ever going to be able to out act or be an Alan Arkin. And, and what it did is this. It allowed me to go on for several years later, making people laugh, doing Neil Simon, having a, a lovely theater, doing a little Nash Bridges, doing a little something. And eventually I retired out because I started liking this more. But that takes guts, Matt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That takes guts to say to the ego, you, you just settle down, boy, because no. you want to be the best, best, best. But at this, you're not. And and I've got one other thing to say. Charlie Rose had a talk show, you remember. And he was talking to, excuse me, I'm remiss. I forgot his name. A gallery owner in New York and Paris. Famous gallery owner. And Charlie Rose said, you used to paint. You used to be a good painter. What happened? He said, I realized I wasn't going to be a Kaminsky. I realized I wasn't going to be a Kandinsky. I real, you know? Yeah. Uh, and I thought, oh, I get it. I get it. But you get to play and, and give them chocolate ice cream. Yeah, I know. Uh, but oh. I, you know what? It be, being, I almost feel like... Uh, if I can express it this way, I don't. I, I I'm not egoless. I feel like guitar playing is not my strength. I've gotten to me. I learned to play the guitar because I I thought I was a very and I still think I'm a very good songwriter. So I every instrument I play, I learned to support songwriting, which is my main thing. So it's not real. It's never been something I was. Uh, but when you're a guitar player, it's it's almost like. Um, in the West, the fastest gun type of thing. There's a lot of competition. A lot of people are yes. uh, gunslingers out there who are looking to be the best and the, the the fastest and all that kind of stuff. And I don't have that ego. I'm very, with regards to that, I'm very quick to say, I don't want to be the fast gun. Those guys die quick. <laughs> <laughs> um, you don't know. Yeah. Uh, did, did, oh, we just saw a, a guy named Gary Clark Jr. You know Gary Clark Jr.? Yeah. Yeah. Well, Okay, we just saw him the other night. You guys are good to play that guitar, man. I I want to uh, ask you about something that you mentioned earlier because you're talking about the value of improv. 
Mm-hmm. And this is something that happened yesterday. Howie Mandel, you know Howie Mandel. Uh, he, he was talking about his philosophy because he, he had ups and downs in his career. Uh, and the ups side of it seemed to be dead. It seemed he thought he was thinking his career was dead in the water in the early 2000s. And before deal or no deal came along and his inc- inclination to deal or no deal was to say no to it. He did say no. And his wife said, no, you have to say yes to it and talk them into doing it. So his philosophy now is say yes to everything. And I know improv, um, it, it, the uh, the essence of improv is saying yes, right? So that it doesn't end. Now that feels inauthentic to me because I'm a guy who feels like he says yes too often and needs to learn to say no. So uh, how is that improv? And maybe I have it wrong, but how if it if I do have it right and the essence of improv is saying yes, how does that help me improve my authenticity? Well, that is just a, God, you're fun to talk to. It was, again, Alan Arkin that taught us, and I had done a lot of improv when I came to work with him, that you don't have to say yes and. That's what they teach in beginning improvisation. Say yes to everything, because if you don't say yes, it'll turn into an argument. Right. If you're not, a, if you're not a, 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 an, an experienced improviser. But a more experienced improviser knows that no leads to many places too, if you're on intention. And and no, to my mind, was one of the most important things I learned to say in my life too, instead of saying yes to everything, yes to everything. No is a sentence. And, And you can go in a different way collaboratively even in business if you say no instead of yes. So uh, God knows Howie Mandel has a bigger comedy career than I would have ever had on stage, but I'm a a greater supporter of analyzing inside, getting getting in touch with what I'm really feeling and having the guts to say no. It takes guts to say no. Thank you for that, because I, I was struggling with that because I'm thinking there must be something wrong with me because I feel like I need to say I have no this is my last interview segment of this week. And the reason for that is because I said yes to things I should have not said yes to doing uh, events and stuff that uh, I will that will take up my time that I know in hindsight, why did I say yes to that? Because I have a difficult time saying no, and I need to learn to say no more. And here comes Howie Mandel telling me I need to say yes to everything. And now like, now I'm confused because I I don't, it doesn't feel natural for me. It feels like, well, it does, I do naturally say yes, but when I don't mean it, I'm being inauthentic when I say, sure, I'll, sure I'll do your event. And then I'm thinking, I don't really want to do your event. No, <laughs> you just hit the nail on the head. Practicing being authentic takes practice. Right. It does. You stop saying yes to everything, man. You stop. Yeah. I gotta try to. I gotta try to do that. Absolutely. Uh, so cultivating that whole stuff now with comedians and, and people in the arts, singers, uh, songwriters, all this stuff. We talk about finding a voice, but finding your voice is really the equivalent of this um, being authentic and being able to accept what your voice really is. Is, is that, mm-hmm. do I have that correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, why is that in your mind such a difficult thing, partic- particularly for 
um, people in the arts, not necessarily in the business, in business, but I, it does matter in business, doesn't it? It's, to be able to be able to find your own, your own voice and your own way of expressing things and be comfortable with that and not, not ne- uh, neglect it or not hide from it, not be shy from it. Why is that such a difficult thing for people? Because everybody wants to be liked. I wish I had a better answer. Because being banished is just, you know, think of the old days. What would be the worst horrible torture short of being hung would be banished from the community, never more to return. We don't want to be banished. We want to be liked. Uh, Also, failing is a great fear to people. But, you know, over the years, I I don't care so much why we're afraid anymore it's the amygdala it hasn't evolved with all of our tech inventions and creations it's still we're still you know cave people the amygdala is there to get us to run away from a tribe intent on eating us or run away from a lion that's why the amygdala tells us to be afraid that's why the body is so important the for the the dressing room in a theater before it's time for the curtain to go up. Sounds like a tuberculosis ward because everybody in their dressing room is <laughs> to get air inside of our bodies to get in this present moment. And before we turn the door handle, the inner stage, we're taking a breath and breathing uh, because we've got to tell the amygdala sit, stay. Right. I'm in charge. Uh, Everybody's I'll- afraid. I want to show the book cover. Where I have the book cover here. Where the hell is it? Where did I put the book? I don't uh, know. Uh, here it is, right? Yeah, there it is. Uh, it's called the presentation Billy Billy Shepherd presentation uh, method. Now uh, the book is out, right? And I have the website BillyShepherd.com scrolling across the. the it's on Amazon. They can go to Amazon and okay. enter the uh, That link is in the description. Link to both BillyShepherd.com and then the Amazon link, uh, page where it's at because I, I was just assuming it was probably for sale and anywhere you can buy books. But um, I just want to make sure that people on the audio side know that Billy is not with a Y. It's with an I-E. <laughs> BillyShepherd.com. Uh, and so uh, who, is, uh, who is the book for? Is it just for creative people? Is it for people in business? You, I know you're primarily an executive coach more than working with, with people in the arts. Uh, who, who is the book for? It's for anybody that wants to get their message across and have a, have a good time doing it. It was originally written for people that were taking my workshops to remind them of some of the exercises uh, and and how to how to get there and how to get present but then we decided to include stories success stories of people that i've worked with and and so it's got stories in it too um i i'm showing the book here and uh i'm glad that this your the image of the book i was able to find actually is uh sort of angled so that you can see the thickness of it part of the believe it or not that we've lived in a world that is so short attention span theater. If they see a book that is too big, it will turn them off. This looks like a very short, easy read, uh, at least from the picture. Yeah. So, so what are we talking about? Do you have any idea on, on like how long, or do you have to stop after every chapter and kind of uh, do some kind of exercise? Or it's got an index. Look up breathing. Look up Alan Arkin. Look up. It's got an index. Right. You know, <laughs> so you can look up stuff. If but you don't it, like it, turn the page. 
but but the question is, is is it meant to be a like straight through read or is it something that you need to practice at the end of each chapter like i've learned i've read this chapter now i need to kind of do some work on yes yes there are chapters in there uh, how to do vocal exercises to improve your diction the breathing exercises there um actually my breathing exercises online too if they wanted to go online they can go down and I'll guide them through the breathing exercises. So there's exercises. Uh, I need to work on the diction stuff. How how, uh, how much work? Uh, <laughs> uh, what? To give me give me an idea of what I'm looking at here when I when I get involved in the diction part of it because my articulation. Oh, well, let me show you. Can people see me or no? <laughs> I don't have a pencil now. Okay. What you're going to do is this. You're going to take a pencil and you're going to put it in your back molars like this. And you're going to hold it tight with your molars and you're going to over enunciate. See how silly I look? Yes. You're going to read a poem like this. We are the music makers. Okay. <laughs> and you're going to over enunciate. Great stuff. Thank you. Me, and then you're going to remove the pencil and read the poem again. We are the music makers. And then you're just going to let it go and your diction will be better. Ah, thank you. That is so. That's a helpful tip because I, this is something I've I struggled with for forty years. And I know I've had this problem. Go to vocal co- coaches and all that stuff, and all they say is you need to work on your diction. They don't give me any like real substantial exercises I can do. So that will help. I it will look silly, and I can't do it with my wife around. But uh, no, you call me and we'll work for five minutes. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you. Any, uh, we are coming up on the hour here. I do appreciate your time. I think this has been a very delightful uh, conversation. Uh, hopefully it's been helpful. Any final thoughts from you on what uh, people should take away from this conversation? Be brave. Be brave. That's a tough one, isn't it? It's harder. It's easy to say. <laughs> but it's not so easy to do uh putting on your armor and facing uh those kind of challenges and again honesty is is key self-honesty i think is key uh billy thank you so much for, for this uh opportunity and and for sharing your insights with my audience i appreciate it uh more than i can express in words so i wish you great success and listen uh doors open anytime you want to come back and continue and have another conversation i would love to have you back uh and i, I wish you great success with the book uh, so until next time, uh, be well and bye for now. Bye. Billy Shepard, folks, I hope you got a lot out of that. And great insights there. Great stuff. Uh, and I hope you'll check out the book. The book is available at Amazon. Link is in the description uh, and uh, some powerful stuff in there. And, uh, you know, authenticity is the key. That's my big takeaway. But authenticity doesn't come. Uh, it doesn't come easy. It doesn't come easy and it doesn't come without. I don't want to scare people away. See, when, when you when you start talking about this stuff, uh, there is a price to pay for discovering and being honest with yourself about um, who you really are. It, it, it's looking at yourself naked, and I don't mean this in a literal way, looking at yourself naked in the mirror, all warts and, and blemishes and all that stuff, and being able to accept who you are and saying, how do we make this work? Uh, in a way that I can do, deliver uh, some value to the world. That's my take on it. So I'd love to hear your take on it. Info at minddogtv.com, info at minddogtv.com. For the rest of the week, I will only be doing the morning shows, Coffee with the Dog, 8 to 10, 8, uh, 
8 to 10 here, East 9 to 11. We moved the time. Sorry. Yes, you're right. We moved the time from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. So this weekend, uh, for some reason, that just uh, escaped my mind. So every day of the week, I'll be with you tomorrow and Friday uh, at 9 a.m. Eastern. I won't have any more interviews, uh, as I alluded to in the show. I'll be doing some events and uh, some things that I should have said no to, but I said yes to, so I won't be with you the rest of the week. So I'll be back with you Monday with Gary Morgan Stern at 1 p.m. Uh, Monday, uh, 1 p.m. Eastern Pacific, uh, Eastern Time. I'm losing track. I'm saying bye. Bye for now, folks. Have a great day, and thanks for uh, thanks for coming back.
to me, listen to me, listen to me now. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me now. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me now. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me now.